So uh, three weeks ago, we started a series, and we started talking about the word stop. Uh, And we started to look at things in our life that if we could stop doing, that our life would be a whole lot better. And the first week we talked about, we need to stop making excuses. Uh, there's times in our life that, that God wants us to do something, but we come up with every reason as to why we can't. And we looked at Moses and how that when God called him, he said, God, I can't. And he just began to list excuse after excuse after excuse. And we realized that, that sometimes God just says, take that first step. Take that step to do what I'm calling you to do and to do what you can do and then trust me to do the rest. Last week we talked about complainers. We talked about so many times in our life we are found guilty just like the children of Israel and and everything in our life we begin to be negative and we start to complain I had somebody message me yesterday and said, you know what, my wife didn't listen to one thing you said last Sunday. She has complained all week. And in my mind, I'm thinking, how ironic is that? You're complaining about your wife complaining. I'm not even looking that way. That should have given you a hint what section they're in. But we looked at how that that when we start to complain that it actually hurts the heart of God. And and we looked at how that that when the children of Israel, because they complained, they never received the promise that God had made to them. Only a couple of them were able to cross into the promised land. And he said it's because of their grumbling, because of their complaining. And so this morning we want to continue this series and look at another thing in our life that keeps us from being who God has called us to be. Now, if you're like many, the chances are that you have battled one or many different fears throughout your life. Many of us live our life in fear. Well, studies believe that as babies, we're only afraid of two things. So naturally, when we're born, we're afraid of two things. We're afraid of falling, and we're afraid of loud noises. We're afraid of falling, and we're afraid of loud noises. So at early years in your life, the other fears you begin to develop. You begin to realize, or you begin to think, you become afraid of the dark. How many people are afraid of the dark? Nobody wants to admit it. How many people have to sleep with, with just a little nightlight on? Thank you, some of the, the teens here. Nobody else is, I do. I don't like it to be completely dark. I want the TV on. Uh, my wife has to have it completely dark. And uh, so we've had to compromise during, during our 25 years of marriage. Uh, how many people can believe that we got married when we were five? Okay. <laughs> I'll repent at the altar, okay? Spiders, anybody afraid of a spider? Yeah, all right, now we're getting somewhere. Yes, I don't like spiders. I saw one in the garage last night. If it hadn't been for this sermon, 
I would have yelled at Christy, said, Christy, come kill this spider. But I did it myself. Snakes. How many people were afraid of snakes? The, listen. Let me, listen here. If I see one more person on Facebook, I've saw people take pictures of snakes. Somebody here had a, a snake under their couch. And they put it on Facebook. And would you believe that some people had the audacity to say, well, don't kill it. It's a good snake. That's ridiculous. The only good snake is a dead snake. Thank you. Preach. Thunderstorms? You afraid of thunderstorms? You see, all of these things and and all of us take on different fears as we go through life. I mean, when I was... 30, I wasn't afraid of falling. But the older that I get, the more feeble I become, then then I I begin to, I can't do that. I might fall. But there are four common fears that that we believe and I believe that, that we all have. The first thing is a fear of loss. You're fearful that you're going to lose something that's important to you. If you're married, you might be afraid of losing your marriage, which is not a bad thing. If you're a parent, you might be afraid of of losing your child. You ever been someplace and, and, and you turn around and they're not there? I've told this story before. One day we were at, at Gaddyland, and, and you know that place is, is a big place, and I turn around and Reese is gone. Fear just overtook me. Or maybe you're afraid that, that something might happen to your child. That they may, uh, that they may become sick or, or maybe that if you're not with them. All of these things, that's not a bad fear because you love your children. Now, some of you might say, I, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. And you go to work every day. You, your fear of losing that or, or you're going to become uh, to a place where you can't financially hold it all together. You may have fear of losing control. How many people have to be in control? Yes, I love honest people. But you you want to be in control, and you're scared. You want everything the way that you want it. And if you're not in control, it scares you. And you have a fear of that. But many of us in our life can say that at some point in our life, we've been afraid of losing something. The second thing is a fear of failure. We feel like that we're going to be inadequate. We'd like to do something, but we're afraid to take that step because we're afraid that we're not adequate enough. That we can't do what it is that we set out to do. We'd like to start a life group, but we're afraid no one would come. We would like to to do things, but we're afraid that we're not good enough. We'd like to go back to school. If that's you, pray through. We'd like to go back to school, but, but you're afraid that at your age you don't have what it takes. 
So what happens is, is that because of this fear of failure, we become paralyzed and we just stay right where we are. We're afraid to take that step because we don't want to fail. Thirdly, we have a fear of rejection. A fear of rejection. Many of us in, in our dating years, we face this fear. Remember being at middle school and, you know, you're at the dance and it's like, go ask her to dance. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm to dance. It wasn't because you didn't want to, but it was because you were afraid she was going to say what? No. Or get out of my face. Or dance with you. You wanted to ask that guy or girl out, but, but you couldn't do it because you were afraid of the answer. You were afraid of being rejected. Maybe if you're married, you live in a, in a constant state of that you're afraid that at some point your spouse is going to reject you. Some of us are just paralyzed with, with this people-pleasing mindset. We want everyone to like us. We do not want to be rejected by anyone. We're always, we're always thinking, do you, do you think they'll like this hairstyle? You think they'll... Somebody told me my jacket this morning looked like Mr. Rogers. I don't even see them in here. They're lucky. Then they backed that up with, I'm not saying it looks bad. I almost started to come with a bench and just take off my shoes. Do you think they'll like the way that I walk or the way that I talk or the clothes that I wear or the car that I drive? And you live your entire life trying to please people because you want to be accepted. And you believe that the things that you do will cause you not to be rejected. The last fear that, that I want to talk about this morning is the fear of the unknown. Many of us live our lives worried about the unknown. What would happen if what would happen if I get cancer? What would happen if I lose my job? What would happen if I get stuck in a bad situation? Maybe an abusive relationship. You would love to, to step out of that relationship, but you're afraid. What would happen if I do? You're afraid of the unknown. And so what happens is, no matter what, your, what, what would happen if is, you live in a fear of thinking about what would happen if. You have all good things going on in your life right now, but, but you think, man, surely something bad is going to happen before long. 
The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. One version says, God did not give us the spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. Fear is from our spiritual enemy. We realize we have a spiritual enemy, right? Somebody that that wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. And the Bible plainly says here that any fear that you have is not from God. It doesn't quantify that. It doesn't say, well, you can be afraid about this, but you can't be. No, it says fear is not, does not come from a loving heavenly father. But it comes from your spiritual enemy. God our father, the source of it all, the all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God has not given you that fear that you're living in. Yet so many of us become so consumed with it. So many of us allow it to control our lives. We're always worried. We're always anxious. We're always overwhelmed. We're always paralyzed by something that God did not give us. And as I looked at this and studied for this, I I realized that even in my own life, I have fears. Can I tell you that, that sometimes I have the fear and I think, what if nobody shows up Sunday? What if, as we grow, I can't sustain what God is doing? What if I realize that I'm inadequate? But as I begin to study for this, I made a decision. And it's the same challenge I want to make to you this morning. Stop living in fear. Stop living in fear. And by the power of God and through His Spirit, I believe that before we leave here this morning, we can make the decision and that we can trust God that we'll stop living in fear. Now, I have often said, and I've even preached before, that fear is the opposite of faith. Anybody ever heard that? Fear is the opposite of faith. I'm really offended because I know that some of you were here when I preached that. And you didn't raise your hand, so you weren't listening? No. But as I began to, to look at this, I saw one person say, actually, fear is faith. But it's faith in the wrong things. Fear actually is faith, but it's faith in the wrong things. So, so what is fear? What is it? How can we define it? This morning, I want to, to look at it a little bit differently. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. What if this 
bad thing happens. I mean, people very rarely say, what if, and then something good happens, unless it's, you're playing the lottery. What if I win the jackpot? And then you look at the pastor and say, I'll pay tithes on it. I'll take care of you. But for the most part, we never say, what if I get that promotion? What if my marriage lasts 25 years or beyond? Anytime we look at the what ifs, most of the time, most of the things that we think about is what if something bad happens? Fear is placing faith in the bad what ifs. Moses, once again, we're still looking at Moses and the children of Israel, was guilty in the Old Testament. God had called him to deliver the children of Israel. God appeared to him in a burning bush. He talked to him, and the bush wasn't consumed. God tells him, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. Now, you would think that Moses, looking at a bush that's burning that's talking to him, that's not consumed by the fire, you would think that he would be able to say, I'm going to do whatever it is that that bush says. Because this is something supernatural. Is that what Moses did? No. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1 says this, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you. So here Moses is in the middle of this miraculous miracle and he says, what if? What if? What if they don't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they think that I'm making all of this up? God was going to be with him. God was going to help him. But Moses is found guilty of playing the what if game. What if? And that's the game that many of us play in our lives. The what ifs. God, I'm afraid that. What if the economy drops? What if my kids get hurt? What if I never get married? Fear is placing faith in the what ifs of life. So why do your what ifs matter? Why does it matter if you live your life in a constant state of what ifs. I believe that your what ifs matter because what you fear reveals what you value the most. What you fear reveals 
what you value the most. If you fear of losing your marriage and you live in in a constant state of that, that means that, that you really value your marriage. If you have a fear of something happening to your children or losing your children, it shows that you value your children. If you have a fear of losing your job and not being able to financially live the lifestyle that you're accustomed to, then you value that lifestyle. It reveals what you and what matters most in your life. Secondly, what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. Ouch. Your fear reveals where you trust God the least. If you're really worried about your marriage... You're not trusting God. If you're really worried about your children and you live in a constant state of anxiety and fear, you're not trusting God that he's going to protect them. What you're actually saying is, God, I really don't believe that you're good enough. I really don't believe that your plan and your purpose will not come through for my children or for my life. So I'm going to do My part, I'm going to worry about it constantly. You don't trust God with your financial well-being? You're saying, God, I really don't believe that you're Jehovah Jireh. Which means my God will provide. Our what-ifs reveal where we trust God the least. Be honest this morning. Be honest. Fill in this blank, not out loud, to yourself. I'm not trusting God with. I'm not trusting God with. Is it your children? Is it your future? Is it your health? Is it someone you love? Is it a relationship? Something that that you constantly are worried about. Something that, that has altered your life. That you're not able to live life the way that God intended you to live life because of this fear, this thing, whatever you filled in the blank with. And the reality is, is so many times it becomes such a way of life to us that we do not realize what the enemy is doing. It becomes normal. We think, well, this is just the way that everybody lives. Everybody is is scared and living in fear. And the enemy will trick you into thinking And to believing that whatever it is that you filled in the blank with is just normal. So biblically, how do we face the what-ifs of fear? 
How do we face the what-ifs of fear? The first thing that you have to do is what we did just right here. You have to be willing to acknowledge your fear. Acknowledge it. Choose to trust God with it. No matter what it is, make a conscious decision that this morning I'm not going to bow to that thing that I filled in the blank with. I'm going to make a a conscious decision to trust the God of the universe. Too many times we just want to, to brush it off. To bury our head in the sand. We want to say, everybody's doing it. Or, oh, I'm not really afraid. I'm just concerned. The first thing we have to do is acknowledge that it's real. Acknowledge that it's real. And say, God, I trust you to be faithful with this Whatever it is. David in the Old Testament had been anointed to be the future king over Israel. The present king was King Saul. And when he found this out, Saul was very threatened. So much so that he despised David's life. And King Saul said, I want you to hunt him down and kill him. Take his life. Now many times we read this and we think, okay, so David was on the run. Put yourself in that position this morning. What if the President of the United States says, I want that person dead. And we all know, you know, they can track us and they can listen on our phones and You know, all you conspiracy theorists. But I can guarantee you that if that happens and every bit of strength and power is coming after you, you're going to be afraid. And that was David's reality. The most powerful man said, I want him dead. So what did David do? I'm glad you asked. Psalm chapter 56, verse 2 through 4. My adversaries pursue me all day long. And in their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He said, in this moment, when people are attacking me, when they're trying to kill me, I choose to trust God. I choose to put my faith in Him. I'm not going to be afraid. And if we look at this, the last sentence in verse 4, what can mere mortals do to me? 
When I read that with my human eyes, I think, well, stupid, they can kill you. They could torture you. They could put you in prison. They could make your life miserable. But David said, what can mere mortals do to me? Do you think he was talking about physically? Do you think he was talking about his temporary life here on earth? I, begin, he, I believe he began to think about from an, and look at it from an eternal perspective. He's saying, you know what? Even if my worst what-ifs come to be, if I trust God, if I trust God, what can man do to hurt me eternally? There's nothing. There's nothing. And if we could get to a point in our life that we say, if I put all my trust in Him, if I don't just hold anything back, if I truly choose to trust Him, what can man do to hurt me? And suddenly, suddenly, your worst what-ifs pale in comparison to the goodness of God. Just be honest. Acknowledge what it is. Be transparent. Say, this is my great fear. But this morning, and tomorrow morning, and the morning after, I choose to trust God. You see, I've realized that the farther I get from God, the more I'm afraid of what this world can do to me. If you're a parent, you think about your child. There are times in their life, and especially, and even as they get older, that when they're not close to their father, to their mother, the one that looks out for them, they become afraid. There are times we're walking through the store and Reese is real bad just to stand somewhere, or, you know, to, to go off. And there have been times that we may walk around the corner, we can still see her, but she can't see us. And that look of fear that comes over her face when she looks around and says, oh, I should have listened. They left me. Or she'll wander off and then she becomes afraid. But then when she sees us and she comes running to us, that fear goes away. The same thing's true with God. I begin to realize that, that the farther I am away from God, the more fear controls my life. But the closer I get to God, the more that I seek Him. And that's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. First, acknowledge your fear, and secondly, seek God. Seek Him until He takes away 
your fears. Seek Him in His Word. Seek Him through prayer. Seek Him in your life group or in a life group. I cannot stress enough, and I know you probably get tired of hearing this. I cannot stress enough how important that it is to do life together. To have a group of people who you know are praying for you, who care about you, who you can express your fears to. So many times we just want to do this thing by ourselves. But getting in a life group and really committing to doing life together is a way to seek God. But seek Him. Do what you can do. His Word, prayer, relationships. Seek Him early in the morning. Seek Him late at night. Seek Him until He takes your fears away. Psalm chapter 34 verse 4 says this, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Kids Church did a series when we were, it's been probably a year, maybe longer than that. Time flies when you get old. But it was called Fear Busters. And they had a song that said, I prayed to the Lord and He answered. He freed me from all my fears. I will trust His word. Man, if we could just get that in our hearts. If we could just get that in our hearts. I prayed to the Lord and He answered John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, he said this, I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful, emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and I thank God that He is still on the throne, reigning over everything, and I take comfort in His control over the affairs of my life. And it's so powerful. How many people would love to be able to say that I've never faced fear more than 15 minutes? I can deal with anything for 15 minutes. But he said, whenever it is, whenever I get to that point of that anxiety, I just close my eyes and I thank God that he's still on the throne. Can I tell you that will deliver you from your fear? Knowing that no matter what's going on in your life, God still reigns. God is still in control. And what does God want for your life? Well, if he didn't give us a spirit of fear then that means it doesn't belong in your life. He wants you to live fear-free. It's not from Him. 
It's not normal. Don't accept it. Don't resign to it. And some of you are sitting right there thinking, but what if? What if I can't? What if? What if I lose my job? What if even after everything that I've said this morning, it's still playing over and over and over in your mind? But if you're his child this morning, you can trust him. He will sustain you. If you truly know him, you have nothing to fear. Satan wants you to stay in bondage. He wants you to believe that you cannot overcome it. He wants you to be paralyzed in fear. But can I tell you, God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. With every head bowed, you're here today and you say pastor I live in fear I struggle so much with anxiety I've tried this medicine and that medicine and I'm not preaching against Medicine. Some people, you need it. But I also believe that there is a God who has enough power and loves you enough to set you free. It's affecting your life. It's affecting the lives of the ones around you. But God can set you free. If you're here this morning and you would be man or woman enough just to slip up your hand and acknowledge, acknowledge, thank you, that there's things in your life, thank you, all across this building, we're all afraid of. Thank you. I see those hands. Why is it? You may be sitting here this morning thinking, oh, it's just me. I'm the only one. No. It is such a tactic that the enemy uses. And he is no respecter of person. He wants to destroy you. And when he finds something that can paralyze you and keep you from living the life that God intends you to live, he's going to keep doing it until you stand up. Just like the bully on the playground. They're going to keep attacking you as long as you let them. But the day that you stand up and say, you know what? I don't even have to fight this. 
I've got a big brother. And he shows up. That bully's going to stand down. And the same thing's true with our lives. As long as you allow the enemy to attack you and you don't acknowledge it and you don't stand up to it and you don't realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, you're going to live a life of fear. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand. Thank you. You go down the what ifs of life. Let me challenge you to do this this morning. You just sit and think about, contemplate, and meditate on the power of God. How would it change your life if you begin to look at it this way? What if I gave it to Christ? What if God brought me here today to do a miracle in my life? What if I could walk out of here this morning being set free? What if? Stop placing your faith in the bad what ifs and start looking at what God can do and wants to do. As everyone stands, to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I've told you many times that the altar call or the way that we close is sometimes one of the hardest things until you get in that moment and uh, originally I thought we're just going to everybody stand and we're going to pray but I feel led That is, Nick begins to sing. If you raised your hand this morning and you truly want to acknowledge that you need God to do something in your life and you want to take that next step and be transparent and honest and learn to trust God as he begins to sing I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand if you really want God to do something in your life this morning we have a prayer team that wants to pray with you we have people that are surrounded by that you're surrounded by this morning who want to help you in this area of fear. 
So as he begins to sing, I'm going to ask you not to hesitate. If you raised your hand or even if you didn't and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, be man or woman enough to walk down front. You won't come alone. We're not going to do anything. I'm not going to throw my coat over you. or We're just going to pray. And we're going to believe God. If that's you, as he sings, come right now. Runs deep. Your grace is more. God, I'm trusting you. Grace is more.